Anna was a good wife. Mostly. It was mid-afternoon, and the train she rode first wrenched then eased around a bend in the track before it pulled into Bahnhof Dietlikon at thirty-four past the hour, as ever. It's not just an adage, it's an absolute fact. Swiss trains run on time. The S-8 originated in Pfeffikon, a small town thirty kilometers away. From Pfeffikon, its route sliced upward along the shores of the Zurichsee, through Horgen on the lake's west bank, through Talville, through Kilchberg, tiny towns in which tiny lives were led. From Pfeffikon, the train made sixteen stops before it reached Dietlikon, the tiny town in which Anna's own tiny life was led. Thus the ordinary fact of a train schedule modulated Anna's daily plans. Dietlikon's bus didn't run into the city. Taxicabs were expensive and impractical. And while the Bentz family owned a car, Anna didn't drive. She did not have a license. So her world was tightly circumscribed by the comings and goings of locomotives, by the willingness of Bruno, Anna's husband, or Ursula, Bruno's mother, to drive her places unreachable by bus, and by the engine of her own legs and what distance they could carry her, which was rarely as far as she'd have liked to go. But Swiss trains really do run on time, and Anna managed with minimal hassle. And she liked riding the trains. She found a lulling comfort in the way they rocked side to side as they moved forward. Edith Hummer, another expatriate, once told Anna that there was only one reason the Swiss trains ever ran late. When someone jumps in front of one. Frau Dr. Messerly asked Anna if she had ever considered or attempted suicide. Yes, Anna admitted to the first question. And to the second, define attempt. Dr. Messerly was blonde, small-bodied, and of an ambiguous but late middle age. She saw clients in an office on Trittligasse, a cobbled, lightly-trafficked street just west of Zurich's art museum. She'd studied medical psychiatry in America, but had received her analytic training at the Jung Institute in Kusnacht, a Zurich municipality not less than seven kilometers away. Swiss by birth, Dr. Messerly nonetheless spoke an impeccable, if heavily accented, English. Her W's masqueraded as V's, and her vowels were as open and elongated as parabolic arches. What do you think, Anna? She'd often ask, usually when Anna was least likely to give an honest answer. There was a television commercial that promoted a well-known language school. In the ad, a novice naval radio operator is shown to his post by his commanding officer. Seconds into his watch, the receiver pings. Mayday, mayday, a markedly American voice grates through the speaker. Can you hear us? We are sinking, we are sinking. The operator pauses, then leans towards his transmitter and replies, quite graciously, This is the German Coast Guard. And then... What are you thinking about? Anna would invariably shrug a sluggard's shrug and speak the only words that seemed worth speaking. I don't know. Except, of course, Anna most always did. It was a drizzly afternoon. Swiss weather is mutable, though rarely extreme in Canton Zurich, and typically not in September. It was September, 
for Anna's sons had already returned to school. From the station, Anna walked slowly the culpable half-kilometer up Dietlikon Center Street, lingering over shop windows, biding small bits of time. All postcoital euphorics had evaporated, and she was left with the reins of ennui, slack in her hand. This wasn't a feeling she was new to. It was often like this, a languor that dragged and jaded. The optometrist's on-sale eyeglass display dulled her. She yawned at the apotheca's pyramid of homeopathic remedies. The bin of discount dish towels by the spar bored her nearly beyond repair. Boredom, like the trains, carried Anna through her days. Is that true? Anna thought. That can't be entirely true. It wasn't. An hour earlier, Anna lay naked, wet, and open, atop a stranger's bed in an apartment in Zurich's Niederdorf district, four stories above the old town's wending alleys and mortared stone streets, upon which kiosks vended donor kebabs and bistros served communal pots of melted emmental. What little shame I had before is gone, she thought. Is there a difference between shame and guilt? Anna asked. Shame is psychic extortion, Dr. Messerly answered. Shame lies. Shame a woman and she will believe she is fundamentally wrong, organically delinquent. The only confidence she will have will be in her failures. You will never convince her otherwise, 